This episode of The Startup Life is brought to you by People Ready. Startup Nation, you have a lot on your plate. The last thing you need to stress about is finding quality staff or the available work you need to be successful. Save time and headache by working with a trusted staffing partner that meets your everyday needs. People Ready is a national staffing provider with over 600 locations across the country and 30 plus years of experience serving people just like you. They specialize in a variety of industries including retail, manufacturing, logistics, general cleaning, hospitality, construction, and more. People Ready understands that you're busy and on the go. That's where their mobile app, JobStack, comes in. Use the app to place orders or find work 24-7 or wherever you are. And as social distancing continues to change the way we interact with customers, colleagues, and our everyday lives, JobStack provides the ability to find the right temporary workers or work you need while eliminating the amount of physical touch points needed in the staffing process. Visit PeopleReady.com forward slash Startup Life to learn more about how you can partner with PeopleReady. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is the Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, as we you know move forward uh, on our path of entrepreneurship and kind of navigate this new normal, uh, if you will, I know a lot of us are, are taking the time to kind of reinvent ourselves. We're taking the time to think about what's you know important and stuff like that. But one of the things we should probably also think about is our financial goals, our financial planning a little bit. And so we have a great guest today to help us out with that. She is a partner at Clock Tower Wealth Management LLC, where she is bridging the confidence between women and their money to create stronger financial foundations. She is a thought leader and speaker and financial professional with over 27 years of experience. And she is also the author of Financially Free, 11 conversations to have with yourself about life, money, and worth. She is Andy Frazier. Andy, how are you, ma'am? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I can't complain. I can't complain. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the startup nation today? Yes, let's get going. Sounds great. Sounds good. Sounds good. So if you would, please, ma'am, just kind of share your origin story, if you don't mind. Oh, goodness. Well, I've been in the financial industry um, since I got out of college a little over 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. And my dad is actually the one that brought me into the financial business. He was a Southern Baptist minister while I was growing up. Okay. And you know, just during his time as a minister, he saw so many people in his congregation struggle with money and really look out for help and guidance. Um, and then he also authored a book on taxation for ministers and clergy. So he had a natural affinity towards kind of giving financial advice. And so when I went to college, my freshman year of college is when he started in the financial business. So when I was getting ready to graduate, he said, I'd love for you to come and work with me and be in the business and then one day take things over. And so I joined him right out of college, but made my way throughout the industry. I didn't stay with my dad um, mm-hmm. for the last 27 years. I've now returned there, but have done a lot of things throughout my career, including, you know, certainly working with clients, but also developing and training advisors on how to do planning. Um, I ran a multi-million dollar fintech company 
had a media company for a while right. and um, worked in the corporate area. So I'm looking forward to getting back to my roots of working one-on-one with clients. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I, I find a lot of times, you know, because you said your dad uh, was you know, was a, a clergyman and stuff like that. And, and I, I imagine that, like, you know, the, the, the educating of, you know, of like whether it be, you know, uh, uh, religious matters or financial matters and stuff like that kind of comes across. Kind of talk about, you know, your dad's teaching style when it comes to, uh, you know, helping with, you know, uh, financial matters and things like that. Oh, goodness. Well, my dad definitely brings a little bit of his um, preaching to his interactions. <laughs> Fair enough. And not so not so much in kind of preaching to them, but he gotcha. has a very relatable style gotcha. with them. Um, You know, my dad likes to quote, Will Rogers, and there's a great quote that um, Will says, says, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And mm-hmm. that is a great way to kind of describe my dad's talking. He really speaks to people in a language that they can understand. Um, he really sees anybody. So he doesn't have like a certain level of client that he only sees. And gotcha. I think he's tried to kind of continue to help people in whatever way he can and um, figures if he works with somebody and you know, there's no business in there for him. It's okay because something else will come along later. And he's kind of built his practice on that. He works with people all over the Southeast and um, I'm now in the North. So we'll kind of bridge that gap and work together. And he's just, he's a great storyteller too, as you can imagine. So that helps a lot. Certainly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The, the, the stories are always the ones that, that kind of help stick, you know, that point even further that you're trying to get across. So I appreciate you sharing that. Where in the South is your dad? Well, we are outside of Atlanta okay. in Rome, Georgia. Gotcha. Um, I'm familiar with but Atlanta, I, I, Yeah, Atlanta's mm-hmm. a great area. When mm-hmm. I lived in Rome there for a while, I worked in Atlanta. And so Rome's, a, you know, I guess it's mid-size. It's, not, it's got more than one red light. Let's put it that way. But um, it's a great southern town. And so I, I kind of split my time between New York and Georgia. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Andy Frazier, who's the author of Financially Free, 11 Conversations to Have uh, with Yourself About Life, Money, and Worth. And we have a link there in the show notes if you listen to the replay on the podcast to go ahead and purchase that book. And so before we dive into the book, I want to talk about the cover a little bit. Kind of talk about, you know, because you got, you know, a lot of times when we see uh, financial planners, they're like suited and booted and then they have like, you know, really nice, you know, whatever. And you kind of have like a, they got like a sports jacket. It looks like a rock t-shirt of some sort. Kind of talk about the cover a little bit, if you don't mind. Oh, I think that, you know, what I want to do is make sure that I'm relatable to different types of people. And, you know, we've seen a trend lately with this kind of athleisure wear coming about and being in New York, I certainly have seen that um, amongst all kinds of people. And so I wanted to make sure that I didn't release a book with a cover that would be unapproachable for many people, that many people thought, okay, this is going to be a book that's going to be over my head. I wanted it to be a book that people would read and get value from regardless of their level of financial literacy. So I thought one of the best ways that I can do that is to just, you know, dress a little bit more casually. And I kind of do that. Sometimes I kind of dress for my clients and, um, depending on who I'm talking to and where I'm going, it, it may vary between a, a, a business suit or it may be something a little bit more casual, like a t-shirt blazer. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I, I kind of got that, you know, just from looking at the cover where you, you seem a little bit more approachable because I mean, let's be honest when we're talking about, you know, financial planning and money and, 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 you know, portfolios and all this other stuff, that stuff can be a bit daunting and it can be a bit intimidating. So it's kind of nice to, you know, uh, have that approachable, 
uh, approach, forgive the redundancy, uh, when it comes to that. So I appreciate you sharing that. You're welcome. No You're worries. Welcome. No worries. Now, I was curious about, you know, uh, uh, one of the uh, the parts in the book. You talk about uh, money, beliefs, and habits that you didn't even realize you picked up as a ch- in childhood. Kind of talk about that a little bit. You know, Dominic, when we grow up, we hear phrases and we see our friends and maybe teachers and other adults um, kind of say things about money or react a certain way to money. And like it or not, we kind of absorb that and create a money story in our head about mm-hmm. what money really means. Gotcha. And it's not phrases. It's also typically that we have our own personal experience with money where we realize that money means something more than just a medium of exchange. Right. Um, I know that I had that experience um, when I was in eighth grade. And what happened for me is, you know, I had a bit of shame around the fact that at the time, you know, my parents um, didn't have a lot of money. That was when my dad was still a minister. My mom didn't work at the time. And so right. we really struggled with money and I got made fun of at school. And a lot of that was due to the fact that um, I didn't have the latest clothes and the things that the other girls wore. And so that created some financial shame for me. And I didn't understand why I wasn't good enough to be their friend simply because my family didn't have money at the time. And, you know, you kind of grow up with these stories. And what happens is we go through our formative years with the story and we're not even really present to it in many cases. Mm -hmm. And then we wake up as adults having to make financial decisions, and we wonder why we struggle. So we start to get into action. We, we think about the how-to. As soon as I do what I need to do, then everything will work out. But then things cause us to get off track because we haven't ever identified that money story and really you know, gotten clear on what that is meaning in our lives and how our decisions are being based oftentimes on these stories that or may not have even really been true. And so we get into action, we get triggered, we get off action, we don't fulfill our goals, and we, you know, come up with even more shame and guilt about that. And so I think it's very important to go back and identify what those money stories are so that you can redefine them or you can realize that it's not the way that you know thought it was and you have an opportunity to change that. And it can really make a profound difference in how you view yourself and your relationship to money going forward. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And, and this is the fascinating part when it when I when I talk to financial planners on the show is is almost kind of like they're financial planner slash therapist because you're talking about you know have, because you you have to go back and ask some of these questions about you know going back to the childhood. What are some of these these instances and stories and situations that kind of frame uh, the way you look at money? Uh, you know, because I, I think I just think the psychology of it is fascinating because we see many people who have, you know, stories like yours where, you know, you talk about how, you know, you didn't have the fanciest clothes or toys or whatever the case may be growing up. And then we still see people who grow up and have uh, all the stuff that they want for. And then when they get, they get older, uh, it, you know, something, you know, uh, it doesn't really go the same way it was as a kid. You know, have you ever mm-hmm. seen those instances in the world where it's like maybe as a kid you had, just about access to everything you wanted. And then as you get older, you know, the, the, the money store that you learned that you had as a kid, you know, it kind of had adverse situations as you get older. For sure. I think that sometimes what's very interesting is whenever I was doing research for my book, I was interviewing a lot of siblings. And what mm-hmm. I found is even when they would both grow up in the same 
family environment and money kind of conversations from their parents, it was not uncommon to see both siblings make very different decisions Mm. and choices with regards to money. And so what can happen when you grow up and you don't, and you do have money and you do have things given to you, you kind of come to expect that, or you don't know how to deal when you have to now earn that for yourself. Um, and, And it can be actually just as challenging Um, as it is to grow up without money and then have to make money. I think sometimes it's harder to have a bunch of stuff and have that accessibility to to money than all of a sudden not to have it. It, It's, you know, it's tough to be able to go back and learn to do things a little bit differently. And and that's why it's so important um, as parents to make sure that we are providing our children with the right teachings around money. And that doesn't mean just putting money in a piggy bank. It means exhibiting behavior um, discipline, value, work ethic that our children can grow up and be able to use in their adult life. I think that is so critically important. Gotcha. Well, let me ask a follow-up because you, you talk about, you know, uh, parents teaching their children and stuff like that. And, you know, as we kind of deal with this pandemic and new normal and stuff like that, I know a lot of people are opting to kind of maybe homeschool uh, right now. And so maybe uh, adding some type of financial part of the, you know, uh, uh, part of the curriculum may be something that may be advantageous to uh, kids these days. If you were advising somebody who was homeschooling and you and they wanted to say, hey, Andy, I want to a- implement some type of financial uh, aspect to my curriculum. What are some of those tips or some, some of that advice you would give them? Well, I think first that you certainly can start to teach them a little bit about the financial terminology, about, you know, what does credit mean? What does savings mean? And and things of that nature, even going so far as teaching them what is a stock or what is a bond or, you know, how does insurance work? And you can, depending on the level of the child. But what's more important, Dominic, is for you to be able to teach them about creating values for themselves. What Mm -hmm. do they really value as Um, human beings and making sure that when they are setting goals for themselves, financial and otherwise, but certainly financial goals, that they're aligning with those values. And this is, this is true for adults as well. So that when they're taking action, you know, if they're, if they say, Hey, I'm, what really means something to me is being able to spend time with my friends. And I know that I want to have a bicycle so that I can ride my bike with my friends and go over to their house and spend time with them, then their actions should be to save up perhaps to buy that bicycle. And when you connect all of those things together, you have a bigger chance, more potential to be able to actually you know, follow through with those actions and reach those goals, which because they're anchored to those values. And so I think it's about using proper language with children and gotcha. making sure you're modeling behavior as well. Because remember, kids, mon- you know, they really do monitor what we do, not so much what we say. So that's got to be woven into the curriculum if you decide to do that as well. Gotcha. And I imagine that it's probably is important to kind of share some of the pitfalls we have as, as adults have kind of had, uh, you know, as you know, uh, you know, with our financial goals and stuff like that. Is that fair to say as well? <laughs> Yes, but I can tell you, I, I have two children. They're teenagers. Okay. I have a um, a, a daughter that's uh, going to be a sophomore in college. She's 19 and a son that's going to be 16 in September. He's uh, going to be a junior in high school. And, you know, we talk about money very openly in our family. Right. Um, their father is also in the financial business. So, you know, it's not in the grandfather. So, that you know, it's kind of all around them. And Fair so we enough. do have some interesting conversations. But yet, um, I think it's still, you know, important to let them kind of 
um, figure some things out on their own because I can tell them all, all my stories. And that doesn't mean that they will actually like believe, like, you know, they kind of like, yeah, mom, this is another one of your stories. So, you know, they got to kind of experience it on their own. I think to some degree, that makes sense. That makes sense. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. And startup nation, when you purchase the book, there's other uh, parts that you may be interested in, like finding the right money mentor and also what an adult relationship with money should look like. But one of the ones I'm actually curious about is loving money, how relationships can solidify and shatter your your financial foundation. If you would, Andy, kind of talk about that a little bit and also talk about, you know, what are some of those conversations that you should be having with a significant other? Because, you know, uh, a lot of people, uh, maybe not now before, but, you know, this kind of like wedding season is the weather's, you know, warm and stuff like that. People are getting married and stuff like that around this time of year. What are some of those conversations you'd be having uh, before you enter marriage? Well, love and money is such a critical topic because we know that in many cases when a divorce happens, money is part of the cause or at least part of one of the things that happens as a result. So it's very important to have these conversations. And I think the earlier you can start to have some conversations, the better. That doesn't mean on the first date you're asking them to whip out their net worth statement. But it does mean that you can start to be observant as early on as the first date about Mm. their conversations about money and recognizing that you're coming to the relationship with your money story and they're coming to the relationship with their money story. And they may not have even given some thought to what that is. And so whenever there's these discussions and I know that people are very apprehensive about talking about money with another person early on in the relationship, they don't want the other person to think that, um, that's a contingency of the relationship, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you wait until you're engaged or married to start to have these conversations, what you may find is that you're not connected on how you view money and how you should be treating money together as a couple. And so I do think it's important to have those conversations early. I think early on in the relationship, you might mention to them about some of your goals and your financial goals that, you know, if you're saving for something special, share that with your significant other and, you know, maybe mention, Hey, you know, instead of us going out, you know, for our dates, maybe we can do some things um, that don't cost as much money. I'm really trying to save up for this. I really, this is really important to me to stay within my budget. Um, Sharing with them what your values are and to see if there's some alignment there. I don't, always think you're going to have exactly the same values as your partner, but there should be some commonalities that you right. can build off together as a couple. And then talk about how you want to make decisions as a couple related to money. Hmm. You know, there's sometimes in a relationship where one person makes more money than the other and that the person that makes more money will feel like that they need to have the control. If they're making the, the bulk of it, they're going to feel like they should have control over how it's spent or how it's used. And, you know, in a marriage, when you're trying to establish a partnership, um, I think it's important for both people to understand how that's going to work. And look, there's ne- not necessarily a right answer here, right, um, right? but there needs to be some conversation about it. If the expectation is the one that makes the money, makes the decisions, then the other person still needs to understand what's going on and why things are being done the way that they are. And I do think it's healthy for that person to be involved um, in those decisions because they're adding value to the relationship in other non-monetary ways. And so these are really critical times to be able to be thinking about that. Um, think about how you want to teach your children about money and are there going to be obligations in the future that one of you is expected to handle with a with parents perhaps or a sibling? And so having those conversations early um, is very important to a long 
lasting, open conversation about money throughout your relationship. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And I definitely have to agree with what Andy Sands thought of Nation because, you know, I read a lot of books when, and they talk about Warren Buffett and, and, and Bill Gates. And one of the things they talk about uh, as far as like, you know, uh, achieving the wealth that they have, part of it is that having the right spouse and, and have, you know, picking the right spouse and having those conversations and, and stuff like that. So, Andy, I appreciate you sharing that a little bit. Absolutely. And I think for women that are listening out there, sure. um, you should be actively involved in these conversations about money. You know, it may, you may not want to be, um, but you need to be because the chances are at some point in your life, you're going to be alone, um, mm-hmm. maybe without a partner. And you need to know what's going on. And the, and the thing that I found when I was writing my book, Dominic, is a lot of, Dominic, is a lot of women were waiting until a crisis occurred. And then they were trying to learn about money and have to make decisions. Mm. And that's just not the most ideal time to be doing that. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing. I, w- I want to ask you this. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. Is there like certain stigmas or something when it comes to women and money? I, I think there's a lot of myths out there. Okay, I fair think enough. sometimes, okay. you know, women over maybe over complicate some of this. I think that it's a lot easier to learn than you might think. I think the gotcha. goal is one step at a time. Um, you don't have to know everything all at once. It, it, it's taken me, you know, years of education and study to learn all the ins and outs. And a lot of what I learned won't apply to, you know, the majority of the people out there. I think the goal is there to not be afraid of it and to ask questions. And if you're working with a professional um, or you have a relationship and the other person is not validating and answering mm-hmm. your questions or is making you feel inadequate in some way, um, then then find somebody else that will answer your questions and, gotcha. and go out and find them because it really is important for women and men to really understand how money works because it's it's interwoven throughout every day of our lives. For sure, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to ask I wanted to ask that because I know uh you advocate with helping women and empower them with the financial planning and, and uh their relationship with money and stuff like that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. For sure. I want to ask you this before we transition uh, away from the book a little bit, because, you know, we have a lot of people out there who are, you know, essential workers and stuff like that. People work in the grocery stores and other places to kind of help move our economy along. And a lot of them are having, you know, hard times with with budgeting and stuff like that during this pandemic. What are some of that advice you can kind of give them, if you don't mind, Andy? Well, I think the the very first thing, and this isn't just for people like in this crisis, it's just sure. in general, the very first thing to do is to get really clear and accurate about where you are right now, what money is coming in and what money is going out. You know, one of the things that I've found within the last few years, especially, is it's not like we're spending a lot of money on big purchases. It's all the little things. It's the Netflix subscription. It's the Hulu mm. subscription. It's the Spotify. It's the, gotcha. you know, the cable bill. It's all these little things that kind of subscription mania has also really impacted us and where I'm like, I get my credit card bill and I'm like, what did I buy this month? I didn't buy anything big and it's all these little things. And so I think printing out your bank statements and your credit card statements, if you have credit cards and going through them line by line and look at them as if you were looking at your friend's bank statements or credit card statements, kind of with that objective viewpoint to where you can ask yourself, do you really need this right now? Or is this something that can be eliminated or temporarily paused? Um, or, you know, what kind of value are you really getting from this so that you can start to cut those unnecessary 
expenses and, and things that you're spending money on and get back to basics. The goal is to live within your means as quickly as possible so that you can then, as you start to maybe earn a little bit more, start to save it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times when we earn more, we spend more and right. therefore we don't ever get to the point to where we can earn our way into savings. So we have to get a handle on splitting those two things apart as early on as possible. For sure. Thank you for sharing. I, w- I want to ask a quick follow up because you talked about, you know, when we earn more, we pay more and stuff like that. Cause I want to ask you this because we, we see a lot of times when we see this a lot of times with like lottery winners and we see this a lot of times with like professional athletes from time to time where they come into this large sum of money all at once. Right. Uh, and, and then mm-hmm. like maybe five, 10 years down the line, it's almost pr- basically all gone. So I, I want to ask you this. Let's say I win the lottery tomorrow. Right. And, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I, I want I want to do this right. I don't want to be broke 20 years from now. What are some of those? What are some of those steps I should take? I, I got I won twenty million. What should I do next? I think the first thing is kind of look at where were you before you won the lottery? Like Fair what enough. was going on in your life? What was your behavior around money? What is that money story? Um, I think you know making sure that you are debt free if you can do that um, would be a first step. Making sure you're putting away money in that what I call a liberty fund. I, I don't really like emergency fund as a term because okay. I think that we need money to liberate us from jobs we don't like or relationships we don't like or to take advantage of opportunities. So I like Liberty Fund um, for that. And I think making sure you're putting money away for your retirement, that you've protected yourself, you've secured your ability to earn income, um, that you have life insurance so you can continue the legacy. Um, And I do think it's okay to have a little play money if you were to win the lottery or do something big, or even if you got an NFL contract or, um, you know, NBA something like that. You should have a little play money, but the goal is to be able to kind of satisfy those core pillars of protection, savings and growth and making sure you manage debt and then looking for ways to have that money you an income, not just for the next five, 10 years, but 20, 30, 40 years. Um, And also remember that a lot of times what happens when people get these windfalls is Friends and family come knocking at the door, and I think you need to have a real clear. All right, startup nation. So we're going to go um, ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, when, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to the Startup Life. Oralex powers this episode of the Startup Life. Startup Nation, as a podcaster, radio host, and business owner, I know a thing or two about the need for your message to come through clearly to your target audience. The last thing you want when trying to close a big deal over the phone or giving a sales presentation in your conference room is to have the person you are talking to be distracted by either the fact that you sound like you're in a warehouse or an outside noise like a fire truck. Trust me, Startup Nation. I know this all too well from experience. And that is why Oralex has your back. Oralex Acoustics creates professionally tested products that you can trust in a commercial space or at home. Better office acoustics improves intelligibility when video conferencing or generic conversation reduces stress and helps build a proactive work atmosphere. From a home studio for my content creators to your office space downtown, your gear performs better in an acoustically treated room. Trust me, you are in good hands with Oralex as they are the number one brand in acoustics, providing trusted solutions for over 40 years. 
Also, you can download the Oralex Acoustic Treatment mobile app in the Apple or Google Play Store to give you specifically designed and instantaneous recommendations for various room types. Go to Oralex.com and use the promo code STARTUP in all caps for 10% off your entire order. The link is there in the show notes if you are listening to the replay on the podcast. So if you are ready to stop sounding like you're having a sales meeting in the sports arena, go with Oralex. Professional audio made simple. Tresla powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their, their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited. Calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself, all online avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system, which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're often a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash startup life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash startup life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to uh, Andy Frazier. And when you go to andyfrazier.com, uh, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay uh, on the podcast. One of the first things you're going to see is this cool picture. And I guess this was the photo shoot for your book a little bit. I just want to say nice kicks, by the way. What are those, some Adidas? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, there's some, I think, what are they? Um, Oh, gosh, my husband will kill me if maybe I shell get toes? the same Kind of like the, is it Sam? Sam Smiths, maybe. Gotcha. Sam yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. they kind of look like. Those are those are nice. Those are nice. You got any other kicks like that in your in your closet, or or those are the only pair? I bought those because I was going into the city so much and found myself walking and I gotcha. was like, these wearing heels in the city ain't working. But that was actually taken um, in front of a, that picture with the blue background was actually taken in Brooklyn okay. in front of a J, a J. Crew store. And we were walking to find a place to take a photo. We thought, why not shoot a couple of shots here and that background just provided a really nice um contrast for some of the pictures fair enough fair enough and startup nation what you, uh, outside of the uh, cool picture you'll also see uh, an assessment there on the website what is your money mindset if you would andy just kind of talk about you know that assessment and what people will kind of find out about themselves just a little bit well, the assessment is something kind of fun to just take, but the goal really isn't so much on what you score, gotcha. but on what the process of taking the assessment might trigger for you. So it's going to ask you questions about, you know, your childhood a little bit about like, when did you learn about money and what did you, um, what decisions did you make about money growing up? And the goal that I had there is not only to give them something fun to do and to um, prompt them to get engaged on that level. But to get them thinking about this so that they that after they read my book, then they will be able to then get into 
direction around their money with some prior thinking and conversations with themselves. The book is not a how-to book. It's a, before you do the how-to, you should read the book so that it gets you thinking about all of these things so that when you do get into action, you'll have a better chance of really um, succeeding and sticking with it over time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that also. Now you talked about running uh, you know, a, a fintech company for a while. Kind of talk about, you know, this, this space because we're seeing fintech, you know, rise in popularity. There, there's apps popping up all over the place. Kind of talk about the fintech space and where you see it going in the next couple of years. Well, you know, it was really interesting because I had been training and developing advisors um, and I had been using a particular piece of software to um, a planning process when I would do my training Mm -hmm. in many cases. And so when I got the chance to run the actual company that developed the software, it was a real natural fit. But running a fintech company is very different than actually talking to people about money and and training advisors on how to do planning and the conversations there. So But I did find that when I was thinking about building software, that the very first thing that I wanted to make sure that we tried to do is to have the software be something that was easy from the client's perspective, that it wasn't just going to show a bunch of graphs and charts and different calculations, that it would be there would be the ability to tell a story through the software so that an advisor could you know, not just show all this on the screen, but actually have a story that they would tell to get the clients to understand why the numbers even mattered and, you know, what they meant to their lives and how they were going to be impacted. And so that was something that I constantly thought about. I I think technology is awesome for speeding along some of the conversations and for tracking and keeping up with what's going on with your money. But I have found that at the end of the day, people really like to talk to somebody about their decisions because, you know, until AI gets really perfected, a a software platform or an app can't really understand your feelings and emotions around money. And like it or not, emotions and feelings are very deeply intertwined in our financial decisions. And so when you try to take that away, then you might make a decision that looks good on paper, but for some reason it doesn't sit well with you or you don't follow through because you really don't and haven't addressed those feelings and emotions. So that was really important to me that we created software that would allow the conversations with clients to be easier and faster, but not to replace of a human being really engaging and working with people. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Give me just a second here. Okay, there we go. So I, I know you know you you have the, the blog there on the website and, and stuff like that, and you you give uh, talks, uh, you know, uh, speaking engagement and things of that nature. Kind of walk me through your process on how you create content, Andy. Andy. <laughs> well, I was I was very fortunate to work with some really amazing um, people on the content creation side. You know, I've always enjoyed speaking. Maybe I inherited that from my dad's preaching. Gotcha. Um, but I. I found it a little bit challenging to go from speaking to writing. And now I do more writing than speaking, but I love still to do the, to do speaking. Um, For me, I wanted to make sure that I had a talk that could be given anywhere, not just at a financial convention or not just, you know, with somebody who is looking for, you know, that technical financial knowledge. I wanted to give, you know, kind of a keynote talk that would be something that everybody in the room could relate to that they would find, um, entertaining, but deep and funny and um, thoughtful. And so that was really a part of my process there and kind of creating that content. And 
I kind of start with an outline and fill in the gaps and make sure I have some different contrast in terms of the types of content. I want to have stories and I want to have seriousness. I want to have data. I want to have, um, you know, things that, that I can use as even props occasionally to make it um, interesting so that I can reach, you know, each and every person in the room in a different way. I want to shift gears just a little bit uh, because I, you know, you were on uh chatter, chatter.com. I was, was kind of walked, uh, came across that, uh, that uh, content you was on there and you were talking about how uh, to attract and adopt more women leaders. Is this like in the, in the tech space in the company space, you know, where were you talking about having those more uh, women leaders and how do we attract more women leaders, like in leadership and stuff like that in your opinion? Well, I would love to see, you know, women and people, you know, of color all over our business model, because I think when you have that, what you have is diversity of thought, mm, you know, it, we right. need that, um, those layers of people to come in and be able to provide us with different types of thinking and, and expansion on innovation and disruption in a different way. And so when it comes to women in leadership, um, I, I think that we are in really kind of a new times right now, because the one thing the pandemic has done is it's created the acceptance of virtual work in many cases where I know a lot of may have thought we'll get there someday, but we're not going to do it right now. Right. And now we're forced to do it. And they're seeing that it can work. I'm in a study group meeting, was on this morning with my study group, and it's full of CEOs. And they were all talking about how they are ditching their offices and going to 100% virtual work. And now there's opportunity to engage with different talent. Um, there's an opportunity to add more women to the workforce because women are working from home. And in many cases, they're also doing some of that homeschooling. And so they're finding that now it's easier to do what needed to do all along. So I think it's going to be interesting how we come out of this pandemic and redefine what work really is and how we work. And I think that for people in even remote areas, they may find that they have opportunities to work with companies that never would have been on their radar before, but because of Zoom and Google meetups and Skype and the rest of them, we now have a way that we can um, work with people no matter where they are. For sure. For sure. Thank you uh, for sharing all of that for sure. And you, you talked about the, the pandemic and earlier you talked about uh, your husband and your two kids and stuff like that. Kind of talk about your new normal a little bit. You know, what is that looking like? Are you reconnecting with family? How, how, what's How's that been going for you lately? Well, for the first few months, I, you know, we stayed, I was in New York and I stayed in New York and we mm -hmm. didn't really leave the house. I mean, there was a week there. I thought I haven't even been outside my front door. I am. Um, right. But I think that, you know, you get into these kind of habits. One thing that I've learned from working um, from, you know, home, I kind of been on the road and traveling. So I kind of work where I went is to make sure you have a routine, that you have a schedule that you're kind of trying to keep every day. It's healthy for the kids. It's healthy for you. And so I was getting up and working all day, you know, doing my workout in the afternoon, eating dinner with the family, um, and have found I'm not really missing out on too much. Now, the last few months, I've been going back and forth from New York to Georgia, and so when I come home, I have to quarantine. So that's definitely been a little bit um, a bit more re more restrictive right. when I am in New York, and so um, hopefully that will um, will Georgia will get their act together and, and get their. Um, percentage gotcha. rate down to where I don't have to do that. But for now, right. it is what it is. So I've been working. I work all the time when I'm in Georgia, pretty much, you know, the whole time I'm there um, with my dad and with um, our clients there. And so when I'm in New York, I try to do more of the virtual meetings and um, certainly, you know, making sure that the family's doing okay and, and doing a lot of writing and 
that more creative work here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Andy, what's your uh, uh, entrepreneurial superpower and why? I think that my entrepreneurial superpower is, is that I am a thinker. Mm. I really think through things. I also tend to be very forward thinking Okay. Um, and, and I ask good questions. And so I think that I, I do do a lot of thinking so that when I do make ideas or suggestions, it's not from a place of just spewing out whatever is top of mind. I've thought about it. I have uh, you know, ruminated over it maybe a little bit. And so it, 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 there's a reason while I'm asking that question or making that statement. And I think it's important to also make sure that you're speaking up and giving differences of thought. Um, with, whenever you work with people or for people, um, that differences of thought is really important to be able to make a real well-rounded, thoughtful decision as a leader. And so right. as a leader and myself, and even when I'm working with other leaders, um, you don't want people that are just going to tell you and agree with you and tell you, yes, yes, yes. You want people that are going to give you different perspectives and different things that you can be thinking about. And um, that way, when you do make a decision, it's a well-vetted decision. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for saying that. And you talked about, you know, different perspectives and stuff like that. I want to ask you this. What is something that your daughter ha- has taught you that you kind of use every day? I, I say it every day, Dominic, that when I'm, when I come back in my next life, I'm coming back as my daughter because she is like <laughs> a unicorn. She's, um, you know, one of the things that I love about her is that she's very confident and comfortable in her skin. Mm. She knows who she is. She knows, she know who she isn't, I guess. Um, she's definitely, you know, engaged in some of that personal development that me and my husband have, and her father have engaged in, gotcha. um, and, and is very, you know, doesn't really deal with the drama is just a very caring, uh, old soul, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I try to, she's very independent by the way. So when gotcha. I try to give her advice, I, I recognize that about 10% of it is going to be taken and the rest is going to you know, stick somewhere in her brain and come and maybe she'll think about it at some point. I try to make sure though, that when I am giving her advice, it's advice that I really think is important to whatever's going on in her life at this point in time, because I know she's going to dismiss a lot of it. So I want to make sure that it's valuable to whatever she's going through. I tell her and my son, I give them mom's tip of the day. Mm -hmm. And so I'll give them like one small little nugget of something um, and try to share those things with them so that I can teach them lessons but recognize that um, they're going to do what they do and it's their journey and there'll be things they'll have to figure out on their own. And hopefully some of my wisdom will help them when they come up against struggles in their life. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, we're wrapping up with Andy Frazier, uh, the author of Financially Free, 11 Conversations to Have with Yourself about Life, Money, and Worth. And once again, you can we have a link there in the show notes if you listen to the replay on the podcast to purchase that book. But also check out AndyFrazier.com. We have a link there in the show notes as well. Andy, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because as we move forward, there's a lot of people feeling discouraged out there, feeling a little a little down. Kind of give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind. Sure. So when I was growing up and whether I had challenges in school or um, difficulties with friends, my mom would always tell me that this too shall pass. And I think that one of the things that we all have to remember is, is that at some point we will get through this and there's going to be challenges and struggles as we do. I think there's going to be many ups and downs, but we will get through this. And the more we can all look out for not only ourselves, but each other and do the right thing. 
then we will get through this and be better for it. So just remember, this too shall pass. Um, when you know better, you do better. And, you know, take care of each other. I hear that. Thank you so much. And that's going to wrap up this session of the Start of Life. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time. Oh, it was a joy to be with you, Dominic. And thank you so much for having me. No worries. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the Startup Life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.